Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. Please help by subscribing and check out footballpurist.com. Welcome, everyone, to our Champions League final special. It feels even weird to say that. The final no Liverpool supporter was certainly expecting at the beginning of the season, and perhaps the same final that Madrid fans have been expecting for the last few years. So I'm your host, Jeff Hallett, and we're welcoming a special guest to talk on, Ryan Baldi of Football Whispers, who... Not only is a great writer and a thought leader on Twitter when it comes to the Premier League or in the run-up to the World Cup, uh, he's got an awesome book, which we'll get into, called The Next Next Big Thing, uh, talking about the perils of football's wonder kids, where the stars don't align, things don't work out. Ryan, thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. Great to have you. And also with us, we've got my co-host and one of the founding fathers of Talk On, uh, both an uh, expert in Premier League, Liverpool, and Serial, the great and sometimes cynical Joey Fishney. <laughs> hey, Joey. Yeah, unfortunately, I know a little bit more about Serial. I don't know if, that is, if that's a good thing or not, but uh, great to be back as always, guys. And uh, Ryan, great to have you on. So uh, we consider Dave Hendrick a friend of the football purists, which is kind of how we came to you, Ryan, uh, you, Sam, and the rest of the whispers, as it were. Um, we're sort of practically cousins between the football purists and the football whispers <laughs> in name only. Uh, I'm very impressed with your writing on the Premier League and then the run up to the World Cup. And I, I saw Sam recently accuse you of being a Liverpool supporter on Twitter. Is there, <laughs> is there any truth to this? That's a false accusation. Uh, <laughs> Objective always. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, I, I tend to follow my local team, Shrewsbury Town, but um, I've been writing a lot about Liverpool lately, and um, because Sam has given me a few shout-outs on Twitter, I've gained a bit of a Liverpool following online, so um, I think he's trying to sort of indoctrinate me a little bit, but I'm not having it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could always go with it. Just let it happen as you're doing. Um, so as we get into the preview of Madrid, I, Madrid has a well-documented history of success in Champions League, 15 trips to the final, 12 wins, uh, to Liverpool's seven trips to the final and five wins. And the respective run-up to this final, Madrid handling Tottenham in terms of the getting out of the group in second, Group H, went through PSG, Juventus, Bayern to secure their place in the final. And Liverpool having the relatively easier run-up in Group E, really drawing Sevilla in the run-up and you know, blowing out Spartak and Maribor to get to the knockout stages and uh, obviously doing very well versus Porto. And I think the defining matches in the run-up to this final for Liverpool, of course, uh, City and and Roma to get into this place in Kiev. I don't think there's any way we can describe Madrid other than world-class at so many positions and so much flexibility in terms of depth. It, Ryan, how would you characterize their style of play? They're quite a strange team. Um, they can at times look like the best side in the world, but also look completely useless at times too. I think we saw um, both sides of that in the, the two legs against Juventus where they blew Juve off the park in the first leg. Ronaldo scored that incredible bicycle kick. Um, then in the second leg, they were completely inept and almost threw it away. 
Um, and it was kind of similar in in the Bayern Munich games as well, although there wasn't the the level of jeopardy that they, that they faced against Juve uh, with with the ultimate with the comeback in the end. Um, they didn't really convince uh, for, for large portions. They were outplayed um, defensively. They were easily got at, but at the same time, they get the job done. Um, the one thing they do better than almost anybody, anybody is create goal scoring chances. Um, it's just um, something they do phenomenally well, and almost kind of through any means necessary. Like they're, they're brilliant on the attack. They've got wonderfully creative midfield players, but they don't always have to have a great degree of control to be able to create those chances. They can kind of do it off the cuff. They can kind of hit you when you give them the slightest opening, like we saw against Bayern when they were when they would break, and and even guys like Asensio, who's not all after for them, were just they're you know the way they set up um you know their style of play and it never seems that they stick to anyone i mean they can press they can uh sit back they can play possession it really depends on the play of the game and that's unlike liverpool that has a very defined style they're they're the counter counter-attacking team uh how do you think you'll see them in the final do you think they're just going to mold to the play of the game or do you think they're going to go after Klopp and try to target specific areas? I think um, they'll probably look to control things on this occasion. Um, I think they're quite good at recognizing when it's got them in a certain area. If they try to go toe-for-toe immediately with, with Liverpool, I think they might be able to recognize that that might not be a great idea. Um, the sort of dynamism that, that uh, Liverpool have got on the break is probably that Liverpool are probably the only side in the world who can kind of match Madrid for that at the moment. But what Madrid have that Liverpool perhaps don't is that kind of controlling presence in midfield with Luka Modric, Tony Cruz. Um, so I think they might try to wrestle control and assert their their, their status as favourites um, and their status as two-time champions now. Um, and that's something they can do. They do have it in their locker. Um, it's not a kind of thing they try to do against a Bayern Munich where you know they're going to come up against midfield players just as good, if not better, than their own. Um, but they're, they're kind of oddly pragmatic, Real Madrid. Um, they don't always appear to be the most effective, but they're, they're definitely very ruthless. And when they spot a chink in, in, in the opposition's armour, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty ruthless at exploiting it. And I think um, the midfield is where they will see um, their, their, their strongest path to victory in this one. Yeah, you couldn't be more correct. And Joey, you know, they've got so much, Ryan mentioned it, so many different options in the midfield. You've got uh, Cruz, Casemiro, Modric, Kovacic. Any one of those can disrupt Liverpool. And, you know, this is versus Henderson, versus Wijnaldum, Milner. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, you know, Ryan just said it there. They have absolutely class players in their midfield. Um, Any one of them would easily get into our side. It's going to be interesting to see how they set up because we think that they'll probably go with the 4-3-3 and have Casemiro sitting with Cruz and Modric ahead of him. Um, but then you just never know how Zidane's going to go. He could, uh, you know, if he wants to maybe go with the diamond, uh, he could play Isco at the top of that. Um, if, if, you know, that maybe that would um, leave Bale or Asensio out of the starting lineup. In terms of the midfield, I mean, Liverpool, that is their so-called weakness going into this game. They have a lot of guys that can do the job for you, but they don't have any elite player. You know, we've just, we've discussed this on the pod before how, you know, Naby Keita coming in is really going to bring that elite presence in this midfield. And, and Liverpool just don't have that one player that can necessarily take over a game like that. Yes. You know, Milner has the most assists in, in a single champions league campaign, but he's, he's not that 
you know, super creative presence that you're looking going forward. Hendo, you know, isn't necessarily the best in a six, but that's where he's been playing this season. And without Ox in the midfield to, to really help break that line, uh, we, you know, we might be depending on Genie to do that, but then Genie might be sitting back. I think Klopp is going to look at this where he's just going to tell the midfield three, which we're assuming is going to be Hendo, Genie, and Milner to do your best to disrupt theirs, uh, to, to be able to really just press as much as you can and, and not lose your place in the midfield, not drift too far forward because it's a battle that's going to be very, very hard to win with the class that they have. I think if you had to, to point out a weakness for Madrid for that midfield, Casemiro is an excellent destroyer, right? He's a great defensive player. But I think if you press him a little bit, um, you know, he can give the ball away. So that's going to be a huge matchup, seeing if Firmino is going to track back a little bit, uh, which he almost always does in every game, but really put the pressure on Casemiro, maybe a couple of our midfielders will too, and then try and get on the break from there. Um, because, you know, if, if Casemiro has the ball in their half, it usually means they're, they're, they're pretty far forward. Um, so again, just an overall midfield battle, you, you look on paper and it's just Madrid all day, no question about it it's going to be really tough to see if our midfield three can, can outplay them, which, which is not very likely though. The one thing, you know, before I, I send off here on this point is what, what they do have is bundles of energy and they're, you know, we are one of the most well-drilled, well-trained, um, most fit sides, I think in Europe um, and, and the midfield three can run for days. So that's something where maybe you'll look at the last 20 minutes of the game and we'll still have that extra gear that we can hit. Um, you know, you, you just never know. So Cruz, Modric, Kovacic, so much quality in the midfield. They do a really good job supplying the attack going forward. Uh, Ryan, I, I think a lot depends, as Joey was sort of setting up there, really depends on who they play at the six. Are they going to, you know, have Casemiro in that role that is vulnerable to the press? Or do they go with Cruz or Modric that are more sure-handed with the ball? Does this worry you if you're a Liverpool, Liverpool supporter? I think um, I'd, I'd be quite shocked if it wasn't Casemiro who starts in there at the base of midfield. But it's not beyond Zidane to throw a curveball. Um, he, he did a similar thing in the in the first class where he, played, he threw Kovacic in there. And it really didn't go very well, um, Kovacic. If um, something like that uh, comes into play, if it is Kovacic thrown in there maybe as a kind of curveball from Zidane, then that's definitely something that Ball can exploit. But I think you're right to kind of point to Casemiro, somebody who definitely has calibre. I think the job he does for Madrid is incredibly valuable to them. But as an individual player, I think um, I'll probably take some grief for this, but I think he's quite overrated. Um, I think mm. he looked great because Madrid just needs somebody doing that job and they have done since Makaleli left. So just having somebody to do that discipline job, he's looked like a million bucks doing it. Um, but I do think he definitely has weaknesses. Um, and even for a kind of out-and-out holding player that he is, he does sometimes like to kind of get ahead of himself and, and <laughs> kind of in a PK-esque way of kind of deciding it's time for him to go and get himself a goal <laughs> and uh, wandering forward. So <laughs> I think that's an area to exploit. Um and this Madrid team, as good as they are, they leave a lot of space. And that is something that Liverpool feed off of. Um, so we talked about the, the, the midfield battle being key and how that's probably Madrid's strength and Liverpool's weakness. But at the same time, I don't think Liverpool's players are going to be taxed with um, doing much of a technical job. I think their job is going to be to press, to hurry these players, 
And then once possession is won, it'll be immediately to hit those spaces, the spaces in behind Marcelo, the spaces that Ramos can vacate at times, the spaces that Casemiro can be dragged out of. Um, and it'll just be a quick thing, turn the ball over, uh, hit that transition to uh, Mane or Salah in space. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's reasons for optimism with those, with those key, um, key areas of the pitch there. Opportunities in central defense. We know Ramos, for instance, excellent defender 1v1. And just like Casemiro can get lured out, leaving Varane high and dry. Also can get wound up emotionally, but probably not in a final. I think he's probably too senior for that. You have Marcelo leaving the space behind that Salah can exploit. Uh, what do you think the opportunities are for Liverpool to exploit center defense? I think they're there. Like, I think you're right to point out the Ramos is it's a great 1v1 defender. Um Positionally, he can wander. I don't think he's the most disciplined at times. Um, again, I think his reputation as the best central defender in the world is, is vastly overstated. I think he can be got at. Um, he does have lapses in him. Um, he, yeah, he's great 1v1. He's very tenacious. Um, and he's excellent on the ball too. And he will probably score. So you've got to kind of, you know, you start in a deficit. So you've got to account with the fact that Ramos will score. Ramos always scores. So you're starting one nil down. But um, I think by the same token, he gives up opportunities. He does have these lapses where a player can run off the back of him or it can be drawn out when he's, you know, perhaps Marcelo's gone wandering and hasn't tracked back as quickly as he should, which happens quite regularly. Um, that's going to leave 2v1 situations. He's been excellent this season. He's been Madrid's best defender. Um, and I think he is kind of the most all-round defender they have. Somebody who is who, who does play the system well, who is also good on central center defense. Are you of the same mind that Ramos could be exploited, or do you see things playing out a little different? I really agree with Ryan there. Ramos is—you just have the feeling he's going to score off a set piece or some some type of header uh, at some point throughout the game. And he just—the thing with this team is just that they they show up in finals, right? Um, they When they focus uh, and, they, and they really just put their mind towards the entire game and, and they can turn it on for 90-plus minutes, um, they're an incredibly tough team to beat, and that includes their center backs. You know, Ramos can have lapses. Uh, Varane is a very, very good defender, but still occasionally could have a lapse. But but that that usually comes when they're just not, not focused, and I don't see that happening this game. So... For me, the only way to throw that defense off is you're going to have to counter them. You're going to have to make them get out of their funk and start chasing back because, yes, Veron and Ramos are very quick defenders, but they're not lightning quick like Mo and, and Mane. So we're going to have to turn them somehow, get them out of their funk so they're not defending with their backs at goal. It's going to be a tough test, but you you just look at Liverpool and you look at our front three, and really there's no defense that actually scares you, especially a team that is going to leave the space in behind like they will, um, whether uh, it's their fullbacks bombing on or, or whether it's just the, the midfield pushing into our half and just leaving space in behind. I'm not necessarily worried about any single player defensively against our front three. I'm just, that's what this Liverpool team is built to do right now. Their, their front three is outstanding and they're built to, to counter. So I do feel like this Real Madrid team can be had their center backs can be had um whether or not it'll be done is is just whether or not the, the front three can take care of the job and that's right talk on listeners you heard cynical joey being positive about this game yeah right <laughs> just everybody that's scoring at home uh thanks <laughs> so uh, next i want to get into so we haven't talked about madrid's attack 
part of it doesn't need, even need to be talked about. It's so well known. More into the positional battles uh, and probably get out of here with the score prediction, uh, non-binding, but still. Uh, but I want to start with a bit about Ryan's book. Uh, so Ryan, you've written this uh, next, next big thing about the Wonder Kids, the plans didn't go as planned. Tell us a little bit about how you came to the thesis, how you researched the book, how long it took, and, and I guess your process in writing it. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I don't really remember how it kind of first came to me, but I do remember sort of bouncing the idea around with friends and, and, and with my partner and discussing whether it was something that, that had legs. Um, and then I kind of threw myself into it. Um, started looking at what kind of players would, would fit. I started, I thought the, the only reason this is, is a book rather than kind of a long form article or, or a series of articles is the access to these players to get them to tell their stories in their own words and the access to the people who've worked with them or the, the journalists who've covered their careers. Um, so that was kind of the point I wanted to kind of really focus in on was getting, getting in touch with these people. So I drew up a list of players who would be suitable, who all had interesting stories. They were all tipped for the top at a young age, but for what, whatever reason, they didn't quite make it. And often the reason for them not making it is, uh, isn't is very well known. Um, people just kind of assume that, oh, I guess they weren't good enough or or something along those lines, and they get forgotten about them for the next, the next, next big thing, which is uh, the, the reason for that title. Um, so I started reaching out to people trying to get in contact with them see if they'd be um they'd be interested in taking part and um i started the game of, of getting 12 players on board um as it became uh sort of as it gathered momentum i realized that i might be able to stretch that and it, it's grown to 15 now so it's 15 self contained chapters awesome. uh, each each player featured um has kind of a different reason why um, they, they didn't quite fulfill their potential. And that's what I wanted to show. I wanted to show that it's not always about how much talent you've got and how hard you, you're willing to work. There are so many factors that can get in the way of a young footballer's development, um, not least luck and just timing and things like that. So sure. that's what I wanted to put across. Yeah. Support of Liverpool is still, you know, still out on that. But I, I, know, <laughs> I, I know you at least profiled one Liverpool player. Which one? Um, a player called Adam Morgan, who um, for fans. Uh, yes, thank uh, you. No, what a choice! I had really high hopes for him, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Liverpool fans in the states might remember him especially well because he kind of had that breakout um, few performances on the US tour back in I think it was like 2011, maybe Left around. Left-footed rocket, too. Yeah, God. Like into Robbie Fowler in a lot of ways, like a, yeah, a really yeah. finished left-footed. Yeah, he was one of the first players that I went and speak to. Um, set it up through his his agent. I met him in Liverpool. Really, really nice guy. Four years old. He's still one of the players in the book. I've got quite a broad age range. Um, what is playing the book? Maybe around 1980. Um, and he's in his 50s now. And the youngest is um is Adam. So there's quite a spectrum. Um, some of the guys featured are still trying to make it back to. The- they wanted to be or too close to it and, and Adam was one of them and he spoke really openly and honestly about his experiences at Liverpool. So yeah, I'm really curious to see how that how that one goes because I, just like you said a lot of people obviously you know any young player that comes up you try and liken him to to maybe one of the club legends but he did uh, shockingly kind of remind you a little bit of Fowler and I just remember you know he loved Liverpool he'd been in the academy for a while so great choice I'm really curious to, to see how that goes. 
Yeah, I'll just give you a bit of sort of a snippet of, of his story. Um, there's a really cool sort of story told me uh, um, about after stages of his time at Liverpool where Brent Rogers was in charge and, he, and, and Adam was training with the first team. And um, Rogers wanted to cast him to see where he was at physically a little bit. Um, so in training, he, he put Skirtle on him, had Skirtle mark him in training and rough him up a little bit. Nothing, you know, nothing violent or egregious, but just to like, you know, shoulder him a little bit, mm-hmm. give him a bit of elbow, go in, you know, a little bit hard on him to see how he could handle it. And um, Rogers' assessment was that, you know, he didn't pass that test essentially. So called Adam into the office, told him that, look, you're not, you're not ready. We're gonna, we're gonna let you go. And um, Adam just spoke really honestly about how, you know, he broke down in tears, um, was crying in the car, because this is a club that he loved. There's an extra kind right. of level when it's the club you support and you grew up supporting. I mean, he talks about how when he first met Stephen Gerrard, when he was sharing a, a changing room with, with Stephen Gerrard, he was looking at him thinking in his head, I love you. <laughs> I love you. Whereas <laughs> he was completely awestruck. Um, so yeah, then the kind of emotional aspect of dealing with those setbacks is a really big thing. And for Adam, he kind of fell into a, a bit of a gambling addiction for a while. His next move after Liverpool really didn't work out. He had um, run-ins with the manager. Um, so it can spiral really quickly. And that's something I've found that um, with, with most of the players that I've featured, that kind of one setback can quickly lead to two or three more if you're not careful and make the right choices quickly. And if you're not advised well, so just, yes, Adams is a really fascinating story. The talent scout that is or isn't Brendan Rogers, right? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, one of the players I spoke to didn't actually ever play under under Brendan Rogers, but his his brother did. There's a player called Luke uh, Stephen Moore who Aston Villa, and his brother Luke played for Swan, uh, for Brendan at Swansea, and um, he had he had great things to say about Brendan. <laughs> Met him, he said he really, you know, more than most managers, managed to care and invest in his players. Um, but I guess that you know that's one person's perception based on their 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 experience, whereas others might have a different one. If if he's the guy who's let you go from it, from the club you play for, mm-hmm. five years old, you might not feel quite the same way. Sure. Right. So personally invested in the outcome, of course. Uh, I really feel for those kids, and I've got two of my own. One of whom is uh, at least looking up to all these uh, soccer stars, and it's like so much work. It's so much luck and it's such an emotional process if things don't work out. So uh, definitely looking forward to reading the book, if for no other reason, to put my kid into some other pursuit. <laughs> yeah, um, if you're interested, you can go and get a copy of the book at um, publisher's website, um, the Kids. That'll take you straight to my book. The publisher I've signed is a little bit unconventional in that they use a crowdfunding model to get the process of publication um, going and um, by it's going to help me kind of reach a bigger audience once I eventually hit my but it does mean buying time to support is that anybody who believes in this book um, and wants to help me get it off the ground please go to uh, unbound.com slash wonderkids and pledge and everybody who pledges gets their name in every edition of the book as a thank you and you get awesome. a copy of the book and various rewards for higher pledges too so please go and check it out awesome um, why don't we step back into the preview special of Madrid? Uh, I know you've got both teams and their various strengths and counterattacking when you're talking about Liverpool or you know attack plus midfield. If you're talking Madrid, Ryan, as you see, you know from the first kick, uh, how do you expect first half to go? Uh, do you see either side getting the early goal? I think the first 20 minutes are going to be um, really, really interesting. Um, I think Liverpool's propensity to really fly out of the gate um, 
is probably their strongest suit in this case. I think if they can catch Madrid off guard and really kind of set a tone late on the marker early on and get that early goal, um, that's going to set them up in, in a really strong position. Whereas I think Madrid will be kind of looking to control and gradually build that kind of pressure that they, they do so well and slowly accumulate those chances and eventually knock the door down. So yeah, I think if anyone's getting, going to get an early goal, I think it would be Liverpool. And Joey, do you have any uh, contrary opinion or do you... Uh... Do you see it playing out much the same? Uh, I would tend to agree that I, I think we're going to try and blitz him in, in the first 20, 25 minutes. It's our style. Um, I think that we got to put him on the back back foot a little bit and um, you know really, really pressure them, really try and get a hold of the game because just like Ryan said, their, their midfield can easily control it. So we just want to put them off a little bit at the beginning. I, I, we'll get into it when we talk about the attack, but I think it's going to de- the, the flow of the game and how the first 2025 will shape out is depending on who Madrid is going to start with. Cause if Bale's on the pitch, then oddly enough, I'm more worried about him than, than any other player um, on their team right now, especially with the form he's in, I think five in his last five, something like that. But if he, if he's starting, then I'm immediately not wanting to leave as much space as possible behind because we would be screwed with him and, and the pace and the form that he's in right now. Uh, with with Ronaldo and, and possibly Benzema or you know Esco, I mean there's, they just have so many options. You really know you don't know um, how they're going to line up. And and in terms of the flow of the game, like we're talking about, they can throw in players on their bench. You know, listen, all due respect to our bench, but we're throwing in someone like a Solanke or Danny Ings, and they've got potentially a Bale, potentially Isco, uh, Asensio. I mean, they have some crazy crazy attacking options i mean they're they are the galacticos so it's it's got to be blitzing them in the beginning it's got to be getting them off their normal game plan what they want to do um shake things up if we want any chance of winning this and we're already there so might as well preview the attack (laughs) ryan you've got so many different formations both in the midfield and the attack for madrid playing the diamond playing uh 442 how do you think zidane's going to configure is he gonna have three do you think he'll start Benzema and Bale with Ronaldo or do you think it'll be different? I think he will. Um I, I think Madrid's last league game um, of the season they drew two two with Villarreal. Um he mentioned or he at least kind of hinted that when the BBC are all fit they will and, and all on form they will play and that seems to be the case at the moment. Um so I do expect it to be a three up front but like I said, I think one of Zidane's greatest strengths um He's admitted himself he's not the greatest tactician in the world, but what he has managed to do is make Madrid comfortable in three or four different shapes, which is really good, um, especially if you want to be reactive. Um, so they've got the option of the diamond and bringing Esco in. But yeah, I do. I think it will be uh, three, and I do think, um, much to Joey's chagrin, it will be uh, Bale starting on the No. Which, <laughs> yeah, which in turn is going to kind of... Robertson's ambition somewhat you'll have to kind of be more mindful of the space and behind him which then will invite Marcelo forward a bit more so you know it's kind of that domino effect um, but exactly, yeah, I expect that to be a three we've talked about you know you mentioned the space Marcelo leave by going forward uh, how do you think Roberto Firmino will exploit that space uh, he's well known to press the midfield whether that's Casemiro Cruz Modric how, what role do you think he'll play in this game? Uh, the key role, I think. Um, I think he's kind of Liverpool's main guy, really. Um, 
Joey mentioned earlier that you know it's possible to to draw Ramos out of position, but it's not it's not easy. Um, if there's anybody who can do that, it's it's Firmino. Um, his kind of ghostly movement um, in the final third and just on the edge of it um, really has the, that kind of magnetic power to draw people towards him and, and create space. He's he's a he's a major factor in why Salah has got so many goals this season. Um, so yeah, he'll he'll drift to wherever the space appears if it happens to be behind Marcelo then you'll see him pop up there and we perhaps see Manny um, moving inside and becoming a threat himself. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I'm definitely a Firmino fan. I think he's, he's a wonderful player um, and he's, he's going to be the biggest. I actually think, and you're probably going to hate me for this, that if Madrid are going to spend big money on anyone, they'd be wise to go for Firmino. I think he's a, the perfect foil for Ronaldo in attack um, and the ideal replacement for Ben. But, He's a Liverpool player for now. No signs of, of any kind of big move materialising. So, uh, yeah, that's the real feather in Liverpool's cap. And uh, since we're on the Firmino topic, I, I can't help but get into this question. Um, how do you square his play with Liverpool's phenomenal form this year with some of the form we've seen him play with in the national team? Uh, he made the squad, obviously, had a really good year with Liverpool. How does that change under Chiche? Do you think it's manager? Do you think it's player? Do you think it's both? Do you think it's system? I think it's system. I think um, it's kind of the perfect storm for him at Liverpool right now, having so much pace either side of him and the freedom to roam. Um, I think Brazil's attackers, um, whether it's Neymar or whether they push um, push Coutinho forward to uh, if Neymar's not fully fit, they have kind of more of a considered approach, um, which is kind of Firmino's own remit. They'll want to be the guys who drift inside and, and conduct play rather than kind of bomb ahead of him. Um, so I think that's probably a factor. Um, I think Chicho's perhaps um, slightly more conservative naturally than, than Klopp. So yeah, I think they're just a real perfect storm at Liverpool for, for Firmino at the moment. And um, it's, it's kind of the rising tide that raises all ships. It, it makes uh, Firmino and Liverpool look better for it. No question. Uh, so that was awesome, gents. Uh, I think we should move into the final round, which is predictions for the match. Now everybody's, uh, especially Liverpool supporters, probably throwing up at this point. So two different predictions for both of you. Uh, number one, who do you think... Number one, do you think there will be a red card in this match? And if so, whom? Start with you, Joey. I don't see it happening. I know that Ramos has a huge history of getting red cards. I think he has the most in um, in Madrid's history, actually. But I, I just I don't see one of them happening unless it's some type of accident. Like, I, I just in a final where you're, you're going to have to be so careful to make sure that you stay on the pitch. I, I'm just not seeing it unless it's something that like, you know, a clear goal, goal scoring opportunity where someone needs to make a tackle to prevent that. Or um, I, I just don't see it being on purpose. Um, if it were to happen, I could see it being to someone like Ramos or maybe like Marcelo. Um, but again, yeah, I just, I, I don't see it happen in this game. So, Ryan, we've got Milorad Mazic, if I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, getting his first assignment in a Champions League final. Uh, doesn't have a record necessarily in the knockout stages of giving reds. Uh, do you see him pulling one out of his pocket for this one? Um, I'd be surprised. Um, I think you've kind of... I do think... Uh, Joey's point is great about Ramos kind of reining it in for, for the important occasions. Um, he's also great at kind of attracting trouble. Um, I think it was him who got Manquid involved in the altercation that led to 
and Cruzado being sent um, in last season. Yeah. I out his wind-up tactics, maybe. But yeah, I, I, I hope and I think that there will be no red cards. Okay, so we've got that bit of the prediction set now for how do we see the match ultimately resulting. So, uh, Joey, why don't we start with you with a score prediction for this Champions League final and and be optimistic if you can. <laughs> you you would think there'd be goals, right? Like I don't, even though it's a final and anything can happen, you just don't see it being a one nil, even a two one. I feel like uh, you, you got to see goals in this one and. Knowing our front three and knowing our defense, it seems like, at least not recently, because we've, we've uh, actually been a lot more stable with Virgil back there, but you're going up against some of the best attacking talent in the world. So I'd say I'd go with a, a 3-2 Liverpool victory. And um, I, I think uh, I think Robertson's going to have some some important role in this somehow. Um, or, or hopefully a Trent free kick. I think what I don't know if it's a negative or 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 positive effect, but I think our fullbacks somehow in this game um, are are gonna have a big influence on it. I'm hoping it's not that, like Ryan said, where Bale just allows Marcelo to to overlap a lot more, resulting in um, making our fullbacks jobs tougher. But I don't know. You never know with Trent. Maybe maybe he gets a free kick um, somewhere along the line. But yeah, I'm gonna go with a three-two, and, and Liverpool will see this out for their sixth. Nice. Jordan Henderson lifting that trophy for you. I know what the, I mean, good for him, right? Like good. He's, he is a good captain, but I mean, if you were to tell me since he's been at the club, if he were, if you were like, yeah, one day he'll lift a Champions League trophy, I would just be absolutely shocked. So right. ho- hopefully he does. Yeah. And naturally over to Ryan, uh, who lifts that trophy. Oh, I'm going back and forth on this lately. When it, when, the, when it kind of first confirmed that this was going to be the final, these were the two teams who got three. My initial thoughts were, I think Liverpool will do it. Um, as time has passed, and maybe my sense, <laughs> I start to feel like Madrid are just, you know, just so good at getting the results they need. Frustratingly, so you know, I'm somebody who's, who grew up following Barcelona since I was seven, um, so I, I would quite like them not to win this time. <laughs> but it's hard to bet against them. But I will. I'll go with a uh, let's say two-one to Liverpool after extra time. All right, after extra time, impressive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ryan, we really appreciate you joining the Talk On podcast. Whether or not you're a Liverpool supporter, everyone should <laughs> check out Ryan's work. Follow him on Twitter. Where, where can people follow you, Ryan? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Ryan Bell, the FW. Uh, my silly Italian last name is spelled B A L D I, and FW is for football with my employer. So you can find me there. Very cool. And again, for all the listeners, we're going to put the link to uh, your publisher. Uh, please help Ryan <clears throat> in terms of supporting. Uh, it's kind of like a GoFundMe for his book to get published in the first place. Uh, so if you like the thesis, which all of us do on this pod about uh, the wonder kids that didn't necessarily work out in their attempt to make the first team, uh, regardless of the club, I think it's a phenomenal uh, idea and uh, and thesis to go through. So uh, we'll include a link to support it. If you're so inclined, please do. Uh, and then, of course, Joey Vishney. Where can people find you? Jay Vishney on Twitter. And then, obviously, you can follow us at TalkOnFP. And you can find me, Jeff underscore Hallett, with two L's and two T's. Uh, don't ask me. It's what my parents picked or their forefathers picked. And there's going to be more content from the Talk On podcast as we travel to Kiev and do some live reporting at the match itself. Uh, Ryan, thanks again for joining us uh, and for all of our listeners. Thanks for listening and talk on. Talk on, talk on. <laughs>